You're listening to the Meeting Midway Podcast, a podcast of Midway United Methodist Church in Alpharetta, Georgia, featuring interim pastor Stephen Usry and pastor Amanda Lane. Over the course of the podcast, we'll hear how the church relates to the real-world issues that matter to you and how God loves us all. Now, let's meet Midway. Good morning, Midway. Good morning, church. Let's try that one more time. Good morning. Welcome to worship. My name is Stephen Ustry. I am the interim senior pastor here at Midway. And I, I just want to say we've already had a great day of worship on our campus. We're looking forward to another hour of worship together. So, so glad that you are with us. Uh, I just want to mention a few things that are happening in the life of our church that can help you engage. Uh, but before I do that, let me just mention that um, I, again, I am the interim senior pastor. Jenny Andoni is a senior pastor of this church. Jenny's taking some family leave right now to look after her family. I always encourage people to pray for Jenny. She is a well-loved senior pastor here. I hope you'll be praying for her while she's looking after her mother and her father. I just want to mention four things to you real quickly, okay? I'll go through them super fast. The first one is this church on March the 19th is going to celebrate 100 years of that historic chapel that sits on the corner right there. On March the 19th, it's going to be a great day of worship. We're calling it two services in two locations at one time, all right? So right here, we'll have a contemporary worship service at 10 o'clock. Right there, we'll have a traditional worship service at 10 o'clock. And then immediately after, we'll be taking a huge picture, and we're going to have a great lunch together. Steve Wood, who grew up in this church, who is a senior pastor at Mount Pisgah, is coming back to preach that service. It's going to be a great day of celebration. So we would invite you to invite family and friends, Mark, March the 19th, and come be with us. Now, we're going to have a, a few surprises that we unfold along the way, and one of those we're unfolding today. We're going to be uh, offering Christmas ornaments that have a picture of the chapel and that celebrate the centennial celebration, and that goes on sale today for people to pre-order on our website. You have to go to our website to be able to order these, but we would invite you to do that, and you'll only have two weeks, and that window will close down. So if you want to order a Christmas ornament, you have to do it in the next two weeks on our website. The second big thing I want to share with you is that just 10 days from right now, we start the Lenten journey together, and we'll have Ash Wednesday. And so that evening at 7 o'clock p.m., we're going to be having an Ash Wednesday service. We would invite you to start your Lenten season with us by coming to worship on that night. Our youth every year offer a pancake supper before that at 5.30 on that Wednesday, April the, I'm sorry, February the 22nd. And uh, we want to invite you to RSVP and be a part of that. We're going to be uh, letting them serve us, raising funds for our student ministry, and then having a wonderful Ash Wednesday service together. Um, and then uh, just a couple more things. You've probably noticed that today's a little different. It's Scout Sunday, right? So today we're getting to celebrate the scouting ministry and the partnership that Scouts has had with this church for a very, very long time. Let me just share with you a couple of things I want you to know. Uh, the American Heritage Girls, Pac 807, Pac, uh, I'm sorry, Troop 457 and Troop 5457, that's all the different troops and packs and groups that meet on our campus, more than 150 um, Students, young people with their parents, it's a phenomenal ministry of this church. Healthy, strong leadership. And so today, we get to celebrate their leadership. They're leading almost in every facet of worship today, and we celebrate that. Also, 
Uh, Jarrett Wallace, who you'll be hearing in just a little while. Wave at him real quickly, Jarrett. Uh, Jarrett actually answered the call to the ministry in this church. He comes out of Midway. I was meeting with some folks this past week, and they were celebrating that so many people have answered the call to serve full-time ministry. Well, Jarrett is a, a local pastor here for us in United Methodist Church. Actually, every other Sunday, he's not with us. He's with Union Hill United Methodist in, in Canton. And today, he's going to be bringing God's word. Jarrett, we're very proud of you, and thank you for bringing God's word. Um, hey guys, it's time for us to celebrate with our scouting ministry. So I'm going to turn this over to them, and then shortly after that, we'll really begin our worship together. Audience, please rise. Scout salute. If you are not in uniform, please put your hand over your heart. Color guard forward march. Color guard halt. Color guard cross the colors. Color guard post the colors. Please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag. As an American heritage girl, I promise to love God, cherish my family, honor my country, and serve my community. Scout Creed, or HG Creed. As an American heritage girl, I promise to be compassionate, helpful, honest, loyal, perseverant, pure, resourceful, respectful, responsible, and reverent. Two, you may be seated. Well, I hate to ask you to sit and stand, but it's time for us to worship. So would you stand with me? I want to just say a word of opening prayer, and then we're going to worship together. So uh, I invite you, if you will, bow your heads with me. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that you come before us and you hem us in behind. And we just give you our attention in this day. We invite you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. But more than anything, God, we ask for you to hear our prayers, hear our songs of praise, Lord. And mend us, mold us, shape us in the image of Christ. We are here to worship you. We welcome you. We pray all this in the most holy name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, church, I want to invite you as we begin worship together, just take a minute and be friendly with those around you. Maybe shake a hand, hug a neck, welcome somebody to worship. We're glad you're here. Welcome to Midway. Okay, 
So I speak to you. 
There's no mountain too high, no valley too low. There's no fear that I have. He doesn't already know. There's no problem too big. There's no weapon too strong. There is nothing for God that's impossible. There's no mountain too high, no valley too low. There's no fear that I have. He doesn't already know. children to now come forward for the children's sermon with Miss Tiffany. Good morning, friends. How are you guys this morning? Got a big crew here this morning and lots of new faces. I'm so glad to see you guys. All right, so today we are going to talk about being honest and trustworthy. So let's say you were walking home from your bus stop or maybe you were walking in the parking lot at Target or Publix and you found a bag like this. Does anyone know what usually is in a bag like this? Money, uh huh. So, what if you found a bag like this and it had money in it? Cash. What would you do? Would you think, oh, it's my lucky day? Or would you tell your parents or an adult? What would you do? Rosie, what would you do? You would tell an adult, because is this, is this your money? No. So, I'm going to tell you. If you dropped it, it would be your money. But I'm going to tell you a couple stories real quick about people who had those exact situations. So there was a boy, and his name was Hector, and he was at his school, and he went to the Coke machine. I don't know if you guys have Coke machines at your school anymore. But he went to the Coke machine, and on top of it was a bag just like this, and it had $140 in it. And he got it, and what do you think he did? Did he say, yes, it's my lucky day? No, he didn't. 
he went and took it to the principal. And you want to know why? It's not his money, but he also said he was afraid that whoever left it there might get in trouble, that it, that it was left there. And there's another story about a man named Eddie, and he was walking on a sidewalk in front of a shop, and he found a bag. It was a little bigger than this one, though. And he opened it up, and guess what was inside? No, but that would be cool. Four thousand dollars that's a lot of money huh what do you think he did think he kept it he did not he actually turned it into the police and guess whose it was it was the manager of that store they had accidentally dropped it when they were locking up the store and they were supposed to be taking it to the bank so he took it to the police station and when they asked him why did you turn this in what do you think he said because it's not mine. He said, because it's the right thing to do. And so there's a story in the Bible that Jesus told the disciples, and it was about a rich man. He had lots of money, and he had a manager, which was someone who, like, helped him with his money. And guess what he found out? That the manager was using the rich man's money like it was his own. So he was stealing money from him. So you know what he did? He called him in, and he fired him. He said, you cannot work for any, me anymore because you were stealing money from me. And you know what Jesus told the disciples? That whoever can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. But someone who can't be trusted with little definitely cannot be trusted with much, huh? Because it's, you know what it's about? It's about being honest and having integrity. And guess what? If you stay up here, I think you're going to hear a little bit more about having integrity and being honest. Do you think that Jesus wants us to be honest? Mm-hmm. And trustworthy. That's right. All right. So I want everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes and repeat after me. Say, dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for our lessons. Help us to be trustworthy, to be honest, and to have integrity. Help us to leave here and shine our light for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can go back to your parents, or if you're going downstairs, go line up at the back doors. <laughs> There's a lot going on up here, guys, this morning. <laughs> But um, we are excited this morning to recognize four of the, the scouts who have reached the rank of Eagle Scout. Um, they have integrity. They have a lot more um, as well. So I'm going to invite Jarrett to come up here. Um, and we have Bibles for them. One of the great um, people who was very, um, had a lot of integrity was Jesus. Um, and so we hope that you will take this Bible um, as a recognition of what you've done, but also read it and learn more about the character of Jesus and who he was.
Jarrett's going to tell us a little bit, very short little bit, <laughs> about what, um, what these students had to do to reach the rank of Eagle. Merit badges to earn, and they've got most of their sashes on. Liz has got hers on, Rob's got his on. Merit badges, 22, 23. Um, they have Eagle projects to do. They've all completed those successfully. And I think Raj and Rishi just Eagle last week, right? Last Wednesday. So they're January. He knows the date. You know what time it was, Raj? <laughs> but they also had to fill out reports and all kinds of things. But the journey is long for an Eagle Scout, uh, but it's well worth it, right? Because um, they say it once an Eagle, always an Eagle. Um, and they will always be Eagle Scouts. And it is a thing of honor in our society still to this day. Um, well recognized about any other achievement in youth leadership as an Eagle Scout. When they go get jobs, they go to college and tell them an eagle, it's going to carry them further than anybody else because they are an eagle and it's an important thing. They've learned leadership traits. They've learned uh, skills. Y'all still tie knots? Y'all still know how to do that? I know it's been a while for some of you. Elizabeth shaking her head. Eh. Right? Um, all kinds of things that will help them in life. That's the most important part of a scouting journey is about how to become good citizens in our world. How to live out the scout oath and scout law. How to always be prepared and be that person on the front lines to serve others before you serve yourself. That's what it means to be a scout. And these four are that exemplified as Eagle Scouts. So let's give them a round of applause once more. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for another great day, for another awesome opportunity just to come here and worship your name and celebrate the Eagle Scouts and just to have a great time with you, Lord. Thank you for each and every person that came to church today because we know you have a schedule and appointment with each one of them. You have uh, brought them here for a purpose. We thank you, Lord, because... um, We have also the opportunity to learn more about you, to hear your word, and to experience you a little bit more. May this not be the only opportunity we have this week to experience you. Lord, I pray that each heart, each life that is here today feels something different. That is an expression of your love for their lives. That is an opportunity to become like you. To have your character. Lord, we pray today for so many people that are suffering from something. In special, we pray for the, the peoples in, in, in Turkey and Syria who have had this horrible, massive Um, earthquake this week so many lives were lost and now there are thousands more that are mourning the lives of the ones um, who have died from that uh, from that earthquake Lord we pray that each suffering becomes an opportunity for them to, to know you that each suffering produces endurance That each endurance produces character. And each character produces hope 
the hope that can only be found in you. Lord, we pray for this church, for this community, for the scouts. May we all serve each person around us as you would serve them and as we would serve you. We thank you and we praise your name and we continue this prayer as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. My name is Christian Wallace. I'm a Life Scout here at Midway in Troop 457. I've been asked to give my testimony for you this morning. Scouting has been a beneficial activity for me. When I was in Cub Scouts, I heard about all the cool things that you could do as a Boy Scout. I waited years to cross over and finally get to become a big kid. It's all that I could have thought it would be and more. I joined the troop in 2019, and since then, I've learned skills such as fire building, not tying, camping, and pretty much any other ac outdoor activity you could do. As a scout, you get to complete merit badges of your favorite hobbies or things that you'd like to try. I've done welding, archaeology, geocaching, astronomy, and plenty more. These merit badges are the building blocks to becoming an Eagle Scout and a well-rounded person. They might not teach you everything about rock climbing or engineering, but they are there to start you off on your future job in life. In addition to merit badges, you get to develop skills like leadership, teamwork, and problem solving. The Scout Logan is to do a good turn daily. We learn to do that. We also learn to develop a deeper understanding of God. We have different classes that we can take to learn about our faith. These include God and me, in which we discuss how God affects who you are. God and family, in which we talk about how God impacts the family. God and church, where we learn about how God is in our church life. And finally, God and life, which is focused on how God is with us in our everyday life. In Scouting, we also learn to serve the community before ourselves. We learn to serve the church before ourselves. We learn to serve our nation before ourselves. We strive to be better people on a daily basis. This can be through any number of volunteer activities. My favorites have been placing flags and gravesites at the National Georgia, Georgia National Cemetery, painting the education hallway here at the church, writing letters to elders, and working at Meals by Grace's aquaponic farm. And I can't forget working with hundreds of young children as a vacation Bible school volunteer. Guard Christian right here. Finally, I'd like to close by thanking the church. The congregation of Midway UMC has supported us for years and will hopefully continue to do the same. I would not be here without the help and charter of our church. Without your support, we would not be able to do the things we do. The troops of Midway UMC are thankful that you host and provide us with buildings for our meetings. We appreciate your support. Thank you. back i'm like a bad penny and somebody somebody came to me later and said well, like a carpet stain and I'm, I'm not sure that was a compliment 
Well, I am glad to be back with you this morning. Um, it's been a one year exactly since I stood in this position to preach to you on Scout Sunday, and I'm happy to be back this Scout Sunday. About two Sundays ago, you guys started a sermon series called Stronger. The bumper video showed that. And Reverend Lane uh, came up with Strong in Body. And then last week, Pastor Stephen came up with Strong in Faith. And this series built around this lesser-known scripture of Romans 8.29. I say it's lesser-known because it comes after 8.28. And 8.28 reads, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. But the Stronger series, like any good sermon series, takes it a step further. And goes in the 29th verse, it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among his brothers and sisters. Those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. The dictionary defines conform as to comply with rules, standards, or laws. And God desperately wants each and every one of us to conform to the image of Christ. But for that to happen, we must comply. We must cooperate. We must do our part to be conformed. That leads to the larger question we're being asked each and every week. And that question is, what are you doing to cooperate with God as he is trying to form you into the image of God, his son, Jesus Christ. So what are you doing to cooperate with God's plan for your life? And our topic today is character, which I think is a great topic for Scout Sunday because our young people need to learn character. We, as adults, need to learn character. So we will learn today about being strong in character and how that happens. A few years back, Susan and I, my wife, we signed up Christian for a running club, much to his chagrin. He didn't want to run. He'd rather read about running than actually run. And part of the deal was to kind of coerce him into doing that. I said, hey, if you, if you practice and run, then I, your dad, will run with you. I'll practice on my own time, and I will run with you. And at the end of the season, there's a 5K, and I will run that with you as well. He said, this ought to be worth the money spent to see Dad run. Now, keep in mind, I used to be a runner. Operative word, used to be a runner. But how hard can it be, really, right? After 20-plus years of no exercise, no endurance building at all, sitting in an office chair, how hard can it be to run a 5K? I mean, come on. I walk from the couch to the refrigerator three or four, five, maybe ten times a day, right? But how hard can it be? At the same time, I had this brilliant idea. Hey, if you're going to get in shape, do it right. So I decided to start CrossFit with some guys from work. Yeah. Yeah, somebody said, oh, yeah. CrossFit, the squats, the lunges, and everything you do along with that. that this, I think we call it torture now. Right? We can call it torture, right? So it was good. I was doing it right. Well, you can probably guess that the training and work were not as nearly as easy as the idea of getting in shape. I think I walked funny for several months prior to the 5K, and probably and after the 5K, initially. But I did lose some unhealthy weight, and I felt pretty good, right? Looked pretty good, I think. 
Well, so I did run the race with my son. And I throw air quotes because he left me at the starting line. I didn't see him again till the end. And I may or may not have torn my Achilles tendon about 25 feet from the finish line. That's a whole other sermon. A whole other sermon. My point is I endured the pain of the exercise. And as a result was physically changed. I was mentally changed. Because the exercise mantra is no pain, no gain, right? Who wrote that, first of all? (laughs) No pain, no gain. Our text today also speaks to the notion of gaining or better yet changing as a result of our pain and suffering. Here now, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And Paul writes, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope and sharing of the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we are still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our text starts with the acknowledgement of the audience for whom it was written. Those who were justified in the faith, as Paul writes. In the Methodist church, we have this thing with grace. We love grace. I love grace. It's important to us to have grace. I told the earlier service, I was in my DCOM meeting when I got first licensed to preach. And I went to my uh, theology uh, section, if you will. They said, what do we believe in? What's that one thing that Methodists believe in? And I've been through the licensing classes. I've been to seminary. And I sit there and go, Jesus? <laughs> By the way, that's always the number one answer in any Sunday school class is Jesus. But in this application, in this context, I was wrong. It was grace. They said grace is what we believe in. In the Methodist church, we have three kinds of grace we hold our hat on. Three kinds of grace. The first being prevenient grace. That's the grace that comes before us. It calls us into relationship with God before we're even aware of God. In my seminary classes, we had long discussions about this, about tribes in Africa, tribes in the rainforest, people that know nothing of Jesus, nothing of God, but something there they know of. Some deity is there they know of. Some spirit dwells within them they feel. That's God coming before us, before our acknowledgement of him, making aware of his presence and preparing us for his love. The second kind of grace is justifying grace. This is the grace that makes us right with God. Justifying grace makes us right with God. This is easy to remember if you have a Microsoft Word document. 
and you're formatting that sucker, you're justifying your text. You're justifying your paragraphs. You can make it left. You can make it center. In the Methodist Church, we want to make it right with God. Justified with God. You're made right with God through experience and acceptance of grace, pardon and forgiveness. In other words, we can be saved. They also call this saving grace. This is Paul's audience he's talking to. He is talking to them, and he's talking to us. Those who already love and accept Jesus, and those who have not. Because this is the good news of God's grace. Unmerited, undeserved, but freely given to every single person ever created or whoever be created. God's grace is free to all. This is his audience. He is speaking to those. Through our acceptance, through our justification, we have peace and are granted access to God's grace in which we now stand. We stand in God's grace. We were justified grace with a change in status with God from out of relationship into relationship with God. Justified, right with God. This grace that Paul talks about, secondly, is a change in station or position. We're changed, we're given access to a place where God now dwells. God's grace is a state of grace, a place where we now stand, a place where we now dwell, where we live and breathe in relationship with God. This new state of grace, this new position that we now dwell in is what John Wesley would call sanctifying grace, our third grace. We are sanctified. We are in communion with God. John Wesley also said, you're always moving towards perfection. Always moving toward perfection. Sanctifying grace is just that. We're always moving towards, and I'll add, Christian perfection. Not worldly perfection, but Christian perfection. To move towards being more like Christ, who was the most perfect human being ever to walk the face of this earth. Move towards Christian perfection. It enables us to grow into the image of Christ and leads into an inward and outward holiness, just like Jesus. Inward and outward. If you have your, do we have inserts? We have a bulletin screen on the screen here. Fill in the blank. The first one is, first one is God blank enables me to become more like Christ. There is sanctifying grace. God sanctifying grace enables me to become more like Christ. That grace that puts you in position to live as Christ would have you live. Which is great, right? Paul's on a roll here. If this was a sales pitch for salvation, we'd all sign up. Like, I'm in. Give me some more of that. But it's not a sales pitch. In a true Paul fashion, he throws in a paradox in verse 3. He says, we boast in our suffering, knowing that our suffering, whoa, Paul, Whoa, you told me I was safe in grace here. I'm, I'm living, loving this grace thing that God has given me. I didn't have to work for it. It's free. But now you're going to tell me that I'm going to suffer in this new place I dwell? I'm going to suffer? Yes, you will suffer. You will suffer. Because we live in a fallen world of sin. And Paul writes in verse 6 and 8, God died when we were weak, ungodly, and sinners. He died for us even though we were sinners and still are. 
But Jesus also said in John 16, 33, that this world will bring you trouble. He didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't say, it's going to be great, man. It's going to be all groovy from here on out. Except me, we're good. Well, yeah, he's great. (laughs) Being with him is great. But the world, sometimes not so great. It's going to bring us trouble. Sometimes trouble of our own making, if we're honest, right? Sometimes trouble from others that bring onto our lives. Either way, suffering exists. So we accept suffering as a reality. But what do we do with that suffering as followers of Christ or would-be followers of Christ? How do we manage that suffering? Do we let it beat us down? Do we let it say, hey, you don't need any of that Jesus stuff. Why don't you come over here with us? You're being hurt enough. Go do something else. It's not worth it. Do we do that? Or do we stay where we are? Do we endure? Paul would say that our suffering leads to endurance. And one commentator said endurance in this passage means to stay put without dismay. I love that. If you're in the midst of a storm, if you're struggling, to stay put without dismay. Without giving up, without turning back, to stay right there in this state of grace that God and Christ has put you at. To not move away, not to get going when the going gets tough, but to stay put without dismay. We weather the storms of life without turning away from God. If you know your Bible, you know the story of Job in the Bible. Job was a a Bible character that went through literal hell on earth. Literal. Lost his whole family, his whole possessions. Lost everything he possibly could want in life. God took away from him. But did Job ever turn away? Really turn away from God? No. He questioned him, which I think I would have too. Like, God, hey, what's up with this? Right? But he never turned away. Even though his friends said, hey, man, this God thing ain't working out for you. You might want to do something else. Job said, nope. God has a plan for me. I'm sticking with that plan. I love my God. I want to know why he did these things. I have questions for him, (laughs) and that's okay, but I'm not turning away. The next fill in the blank is endurance yields spiritual fortitude for the long haul. If you've endured something You've built up these muscles for suffering. You know how to deal with it. You don't move away from it. Spiritual fortitude to make your spirit strong. Hey, that's a sermon series, right? Yeah, I thought it was. We'll be stronger by enduring these things, by staying put, not losing faith in God or in Christ. And then from that endurance comes our topic for today, which is character. From that endurance, we build character. The Greek word for character in this passage is dokima. That's the Greek word. It means to process or result of trial, proving, approval, and proof of genuineness. When you have character, you have a proof of genuineness. You've went through something. You've come through something. You didn't lose faith in God or Christ, but you stayed put. You didn't move away because it's your genuine faith in God. You never lost 
that faith. Tried and true character, the one who endures without losing faith. The next fill in the blank is strength of character is proof of my genuine faith in God. Proof of my genuine faith in God. Not some fake faith. Everything's going great. I'm going to love Jesus. Things start turning bad. I don't need Jesus right now because things are bad. I can't focus on him. No, no. You got to do both and on that one. Proof of genuine faith in God. I love, I talk about prayer in some other sermon series. Prayer, we love to pray to God when things are awful. We love to pray to God when things are good. But we never merge the two sometimes, do we? We never merge the two. It's like a life of faith. You have to have both. You celebrate the good things and the bad things. Right? Pedro preached, uh, prayed about the uh, Turkey and Syrian earthquakes. And how many lives have been lost? We're in the thousands now, right? Thousands of lives lost. Thousands. But I love the stories that come along that they have. We found two survivors. We've lost 4,000, but we found two survivors. We must celebrate those things too. Yeah, it's really, really bad. We can't lose faith in God because those two survivors still matter. Those children of God still matter. And we still have genuine faith in God to bring us through our sufferings if we endure those sufferings without turning away. And that character that we build in those times and moments of suffering produces hope. It's a strength of character refined with and forged through our suffering, which we endured and we persevered, and the end product is one of hope. And yes, this hope which I speak is hope for us, the person going through the suffering, because you've made it through, and you're like, yes, I made it through. I can do anything now. I can climb the tallest mountain because I've made it through this one bad thing. Bring on the rest. Right? You have this hope. You have this new strength you found. You're becoming more like Christ. However, the hope that you have now found is not yours to give. This hope that you have from your character, your character has been endured, has persevered and made strong. But that character that you've developed, that you now experienced, also provides hope for others. They see you and go, wow, wow, they went through so much. If they can make it through that, maybe I can too. Your character produces hope and others. Strength of character is proof of, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> Producing hope in others with my character is how I become more like Christ. There's nothing more like Christ than producing hope in others like Christ did. Nothing more like Christ than to have, have hope. To bring others to hope. To bring others to him. He was the most perfect human being. A few weeks back, my family and I had an opportunity to go to this play at the Forsyth County Art Building, Focal, whatever that stands for. And it was called Susicle Jr. Some of you went. Some of you may have actually been in the thing. But if you don't know what it was, this is a play put on. It's a short version of a, a Dr. Seuss play, Horton Here's Who, I think, is for the main topic in there. And this play is put on by Penguin Productions, and, it, and what it involves is artists with special needs... They are the actors, 
And they are paired with typical peers and mentors to be with them at all times during the uh, uh, performances and the rehearsals. So the entire time they're with them. The entire time. So we went to this show, and I'm thinking, what's this going to be like? We had a friend that was in the show. Had a couple of friends come to find out. I'm like, this is, this is, how's this going to work? How, how do we have these artists with special needs doing this production for, I think it was an hour, 45 minutes, I'm sure what it was. And then these peers are beside them. And that's gonna, how's that going to feel awkward? How's that gonna, that's going to feel weird. And they're singing and dancing. I'm like, okay, so we went to support our friend. And I want to tell you that it was a life-changing experience. If you went, you know what I'm talking about. Life-changing. Because here you have these special needs kids on the stage. These are all high schoolers. Special needs kids on the stage putting themselves out there. I mean, really putting themselves out there. Singing, learning lines, dancing when they need to dance. An amazing experience to watch them. But not only that, you had these young people, these typical peers, that were with these special needs kids the entire time, walking alongside them, whispering words in the ears ears they had to, pushing them to where they need to go on the stage gently, being with them the entire time time now we talk about suffering endurance i can imagine the special needs kids had a hard time with this thing if they wanted to do it it's probably tough right and they did it but typical peers same thing they were up there they're not trained in this they're high schoolers as well to stand there and help these special needs kids because they care not because anybody told them to do it sure it looks good on the college resume But you don't do this kind of thing for a resume. You do it because you care. You do it because you have character. And I did not a dry eye in the house during the entire performance. I was just bawling like a baby the whole time. And not because I was sad, because I was happy. Life-changing. Life-changing. You know what it gave me in this sermon here? It gave me hope. It wasn't my character that gave me hope. It was all those students on the stage, the special needs as well as the typical peers, that gave me hope for our next generation. Because we all talk about, it used to be the millennials, right? They were always like, oh, the millennials are so lazy. What are we going to do with the millennials, right? Some of y'all are millennials, sorry. But you pay taxes now, so you're with us, rest of it, you're fine. <laughs> that's, that's the flip but now we're talking about Gen Z, right? It was Gen Z. All those Gen Zs are making, uh, they won't get out their devices. They're always uh, face down, typing away, right? Well, those kids on that stage are Gen Zs. In my perspective, changing, like these are the future of America. These are our citizens that are making the world better. This is what it looks like in the kingdom of God. These students with all their character, gave me hope. And not just me, because every adult in the audience was crying. Every adult, because we saw what they could do. We saw their strength of character. And one of our Eagle Scouts was actually in the show. The strength of character is off the charts. And they gave all of us hope. And that's what it means when you have good character, when you've endured something, when you've gone through something, and you come out a better, better person. 
you yourself move closer to the image of Christ, to be more like Christ. And while you're doing that, which is great, you're producing hope in someone else who in turn may develop that same character, that same exact character, and are also moving closer to the image of Christ. Character. A tested character produces hope. This hope we're talking about is not the same magnitude of hope that you started with when you had your suffering and endurance. But it's a stronger hope. It's a hope built on hope. And as Paul writes, this new stronger hope in Christ will not disappoint. It will never disappoint. This is a hope for our future existence with Christ. Because suffering in the present yields and is built upon hope for the future, the now and not yet, as we say in the church. The now and not yet. And this hope is manifested through our own character for others to see and experience. And this state of grace that we stand as Christians is also a state of evolution. Can you say that word in church? I can. I got the microphone. In which growth can and should occur. We as Christians are always moving, we're always evolving, we're always being conformed to grow, to be more like Christ. The sanctifying grace where we grow to be more like Christ. And sometimes this process, this evolution is not pleasant. It's really not. But it's necessary so that we can suffer, so that we can endure, so that we can have character, so we can show that character to others. We have growing pains. You all know the hymn Amazing Grace, don't you? You sing it at probably every funeral or a wedding sometimes. Seems odd at a wedding, but maybe. <laughs> One of the things is, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has brought me thus far, and grace will lead me home. Amazing grace will carry you through times of trouble. It's a growth process that occurs over and over again. I wish it was one and done. It's not, though. It's not. But the good news is hope. The good news is character. On each revolution, the next fill in the blank, I demonstrate cooperation with God and am formed more into the image of Jesus. Every time that I go through suffering, every time I endure that suffering, every time that I build character upon that endurance, And every time that my character yields hope in somebody else, I become closer and closer. And I'm more cooperating with God to form me and others in the image of Christ. A revolution of suffering, endurance, character, and hope. I've talked before other sermons here at this church about my dad. My dad was a great guy. My dad was raised as a dirt farmer. You know what a dirt farmer is? They don't have any crop. <laughs> they, they, they farm dirt. So they didn't have a lot of money. He, he barely made it to high school. But he was always a happy person. He learned to trade carpentry. So he was always a home builder or tinkering with wood somewhere making a living. When he got older and I was older, I think I was in middle school, he was trimming houses. That means putting up the baseboard and crown molding and things like that. Finished trimming houses. And he said, hey, I'm going to start building houses. So he found some customers and Decided to build houses. This is in the early 90s. If 
you know anything about construction, early 90s was not a good time for construction. So he was building his house one time for these people, and these people thought they would be smart and say, hey, um, let's go ahead and stitch them for the money for the house. Right? It's, you're making your living, somebody doesn't pay you, not a good feeling. Right? Not a good feeling. So they didn't pay him thousands of dollars to build their house. But did my dad ever say a word? Ever harsh word against them? Was there suffering involved in that for me and my family? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He never called a lawyer. He never called anybody to get retribution for the wrong done to him. And as a result of that suffering in that part of his life, my mom and my dad lost their home. Couldn't pay the mortgage. Lost my home. But did he ever say an unkind word? Did he ever say, I'm going to go find a lawyer and sue the pants off them? Or I hate them. Or I hate the bank. Did he ever get mad at God? No. Not a single time. Not a single time did he say, God, why are you doing this to me? I've been so good to you like you owe me something. Never. Instead, he turned into God or towards God. His suffering produced endurance and his endurance produced character. Not a bad word was ever said. He never recovered from that financial failure. Never. But it never bothered him. He kept moving forward. He kept having character. He kept showing all of his sons the hope that we see in him. The hope that was very vocal. My dad was not a quiet Christian. (laughs) He was evangelical, so he was like Pentecostal. They get loud. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now you know what I'm talking about. He never, never wavered from his faith. Even through all that. Through all that, never wavered through his faith. Never recovered financially. Only a couple years later to get cancer. And ultimately die from that. But never, not single moment in his life in his times of suffering did he waver from his faith. He endured all that God brought on, all that the world brought on, and moved closer to being like Christ. And because of him, I am who I am today. I am his hope. What a great man. Even on his deathbed, some of us spend our deathbed like, Jesus, don't take me now. My dad has arms out and said, take me now. <laughs> if you're him somebody's deathbed, it's a sad time, and you're all like, no, don't take him. My dad's like, I'm ready. I've got friends that went to his funeral service. And it's an odd thing to say. They said, it's the best funeral that I have ever been to. It was truly a celebration of life. Truly a celebration. Because he had this character. He had this thing that Paul's talking about. That built hope in others. And he was made stronger for that. I was made stronger for that. Billy Graham wrote these words after the Oklahoma bombing in 1995. At times like these, we will do one of two things. It will make us hard and bitter and angry at God. Or it will make us tender and open 
and help us to reach out in trust and faith. I pray that you will let, not let bitterness or poison creep into your souls, but you will turn in faith and trust in God. We do not live in a perfect world. It is very much an imperfect world. Where suffering does exist, unfortunately. But we've been granted access to this grace that God gives us. Undeserving as it is, we've been given access. Where we can stand and grow and be more like Christ. So suffering exists, yet we can be instruments of transformation and perfection for those affected. Do not be dismayed. Do not lose faith. Do not lose hope. But stay put. Endure. Be transformed. Be conformed into the image of Christ. For endurance produces character, and character produces a stronger hope in Christ for yourself, and more importantly, others. And hope in Christ will never disappoint. And will make each and every one of you us, me, stronger. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we respond to God's word, I ask, how will you find, um, find a way to honor God with your prayers, with your presence, with your gifts, with your service, with your witness? How will you Shine a light for Christ within the world. If you desire today to give a gift to the church, we do have offering plates here and uh, in the back as you leave. I want to invite you to join us as we continue to honor Christ and as we continue to um, serve the Lord here at Midway. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the gift of grace for the uh, wonderful opportunity we have to live out that grace here on earth with others, and God, for the opportunity we have to share that grace with the world. Lord, I pray that you would take these gifts, take our offering, and let it glorify you. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you join us as we sing? Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line with all the other not quite and all the never get it right. But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all the time. I'm just a nobody. brought a rock to a sword fight.
worship with you this morning. I want to thank all of our scouts and their families for joining us and for helping to lead us in worship, especially Jarrett. Jarrett helped to organize all of this. Um, so it has been a wonderful day to celebrate um, our character, our character that we have in Christ. And now as you go, may you go in the love of Christ knowing that your love can spark the light of Christ in others. Go in the name of God, our creator, God, our redeemer, and God, the sustainer. Go in peace. been listening to the Meeting Midway podcast from Midway United Methodist Church. The doors to our community are open to all, and we invite guests to join us at our services on Sunday. We have a traditional worship service at 8.30 a.m. in our historic chapel and a contemporary service at 11 a.m. in our modern sanctuary. 
For more information, check us out online at midwayumc.org. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.